It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Good afternoon, guys. We are uh, recording remotely today um, on Friday, the day after the NFL draft, the first round of the NFL draft. Um, So we've got a lot to unpack here. Uh, regarding what happened in round one and what we see coming in rounds two and three, Tom. Um, Let's kick it right off with a a little recap of what happened last night. What did you see? Um, First of all, it was chalk at the top of the draft from what we saw the first three picks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of of safe choices. I think the Giants... Um, missed an opportunity to get an impact defensive player and played it safe and went with uh, who they had as the best tackle. And then we saw a couple quarterbacks come off the board, then the top um, top couple of defensive players. And, um, you know, so the very beginning of this draft was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty boring, straightforward, and not a lot, no trades in the top 10. So, yeah, I think the Browns were ecstatic to have Jedrick Wills still there for them at 10. Um, I think that the Jaguars really liked C.J. Henderson, and you know the Cardinals had to be like, "Oh my God, Isaiah Simmons just fell into our lap at eight. Yeah, I also think the Jets made a strange decision to take the third best tackle, or well, the third tackle off the board with Becton instead of having their choice of the first wide receiver. I definitely think both is a need. Um, they could have gotten either their, their pick of wideouts or that third tackle, and they went with the third tackle. Um, so we'll see how that works out for them. Yeah, kind of surprising to me as well. Um, I anticipated that maybe uh, maybe Adam Gase would look to get some weapons for Sam Darnold, but I think that maybe they feel there are going to be enough impact players still available at the wide receiver position here um, in rounds two and three that they can fill that need there, and they didn't think they'd be able to fill the need at tackle later on uh, with an effective player. So, um, you know, it's interesting to see how teams approach the draft, not getting the Uh, one-on-one opportunities and and interviews with the players so much um, and having them at the facilities and a lot of players didn't have their pro day Uh, so there were some things that were I mean some of the surprises that you saw Tom was there anything that really stood out to you yeah I think the two biggest surprises to me were were back uh, back to back I think the Packers trading up to get Jordan Love was a bit of a surprise to me I thought that they really could have used you know one of those impact offensive players to help out um, Aaron Rodgers make another run at the Super Bowl, yeah. and Jordan Brooks at uh, 27 for the Seahawks. I mean, uh, I think we both like Jordan Brooks as a prospect, but I do not believe he was first-round value, um, especially with Patrick Queen on the board still. Yeah, uh, The Ravens were able to scoop up Patrick Queen, which should be a good fit for their defense right after it. So I think those two were the, the biggest surprises for me, and they're run one right after another. Yeah, I thought that um, A.J. Terrell going 16 to the Falcons was interesting. Um, I wasn't sure that he was that um, highly regarded, but, you know, the Falcons needed help in their secondary, and they they took the guy that they liked best. So um, we'll see how that ends up shaking out in the long haul. But um, the Cowboys get C.D. Lamb falling to them at 17, uh, really solidifying that receiving core with Amari Cooper and – um, you've got Dak Prescott and, and Zeke Elliott. That offense just got very interesting. Yeah, I mean, they definitely added to a strength already for the Cowboys. I just wonder how much um, they can re, you know, reload a defense 
Um, definitely losing uh, some players on the defensive side of the ball this offseason. Thought they would uh, target those replacements, but, you know, passing up on C.D. Lamb seems to be something that Jerry Jones was not willing to do. Yeah, and it was interesting to see the report that Jerry Jones told his scouting staff to leave him alone during the draft. He was going to take care of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny stuff. And yeah. Jerry Jones is uh, not the kind of guy that's going to pass on what he might have seen as the best receiver available in this draft. Yeah, and I think um, by all reports, it sounded like the Cowboys did have C.D. Lamb as their number one. Uh, and to be able to get him at 17 is obviously a great value. Uh you know, we'll see how that works out. It'll be interesting now um, spreading that ball around that uh, loaded offense. I thought the 49ers did really well yesterday, getting Javon Kinlaw at 14 and then Brandon Ayuk at 25. Yeah, the, you know, we definitely knew they needed a playmaker, and they were able to get someone at 25 to, to make plays and Brandon Ayuk and then still um, kind of replenish after losing Buckner um, in the trade. So um, you got cheaper and younger at one position, and you got more explosive as another. So yeah. pretty good job by the 49ers altogether. I loved what the Dolphins did trading down with the Packers there uh, because if you look at the, the four picks that happened from where they traded down to to pick up an extra fourth-round pick, uh, Jordan Love, Jordan Brooks, Patrick Queen, and Isaiah Wilson. So none of those four guys were probably on their board at that point in the draft. Um, so you didn't miss an opportunity, and then they, they went and grabbed a corner that's probably going to start at their nickel right away. Um, and Noah Igbenogany, uh to add to that already pretty loaded secondary. So I'm very excited as a Dolphins fan about that and the fact that we, we stood pat and, and got two at five, not having to give up any draft capital. Yeah, I think it's telling how many corners were taken in the first round this year. Uh, you know, as, as offenses add and go to three, four wide receivers uh, sets more often, you inherently need more corners and more defensive backs. So seeing... Uh, what was it on final number? Yeah, and you know, a, a nickel. Six, yeah, six corners come off in the first round. That's pretty, that's a lot. Yeah, the same number of receivers, I believe, too, right? Yes. So, um, you know, the, the Vikings end up getting uh, Justin Jefferson at 22 and Jeff Gladney at 31. Some people had Gladney as their, as their third corner. Um, so, by all accounts, it looks like they did pretty well. Uh, based on the way that the board fell to them. There are still some really interesting names out there, Tom. Let's talk a little bit about who you see as the best available players still. Um, well, one of the things that surprised me is um, two of the guys we're talking about in the secondary, Xavier McKinney. Um, I have him very highly rated in this draft, and he's still out there. And Christian Fulton, um, a very highly rated corner. Um, a lot of people thought, you know, going into this, that maybe he's the number two corner in this draft, and he's still sitting there after um, six of his uh, compatriots that are, are already picked up. Justin Matabuke and Ross Blacklock, I love both of them. They're still there, and uh, we just have only the one wide receiver taken so far, so it'll be interesting to see some of them, or running back taken so far, so it'll be interesting to see some of them go here um, quickly i would imagine in the second round really intriguing to see edwards alaire go at uh, 32 over jk dobbins and uh, deandre swift that that was a, yeah. an interesting selection but i think maybe he just fits what andy reed likes there in kansas city yeah as we're getting up to that pick i had mentioned as we were in our chat that hey i've seen El um, edwards alaire going to the chiefs here a lot recently and i wonder if there's something to that and you kind of you never know and 
as it worked out that he did go there. So I think it was something that maybe they were doing their homework on him and word kind of spread because you could see as the days got closer to the draft here, he started more and more. He started to be slotted in there at 32, and I thought it was interesting as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, he they definitely like to throw the ball, um, and they like to swing it out to their running backs, and he's he's shown he can do that. Um, so that's right. maybe something that they're looking for there. Yeah, he um, you know he, he does remind me some of Damian Williams, who's who's been kind of uh, toting the rock there quite a bit over the last couple of years as a free agent signing. So it's um, it, it could be a really good fit. Um, Jonathan Taylor still on the board. Uh, Grant Delpit. Some of the edge rushers that are still there. Um, you know, you've got AJ Epinesa, Yatur Gross Matos, Zach Bond. Um, all those guys are still sitting on the board and, and uh, up for grabs here. Yeah, and a couple of the offensive tackles and Lucas Niang, Josh Jones. And I think um, the edge rushers doesn't surprise me as much because I think when you and I had done our edge rushers, we talked about there seems to be a clear separation. Yeah. But you still usually some of those guys work their way into the latter part of the first round just because how valuable they are. It's such an impact position that it's, right. it's interesting to see not many go in this draft uh, early on but this could there could be a, a run on them here at some point in this draft where you see you know Epinesa, Gross Matos and Bond go over the course of you know six seven picks yeah absolutely I mean I'm just looking at some of this I mean there's so many safeties still available with zero taken in the first round McKinney, Delpit, Ashton Davis, Kyle Duggar, uh, Jeremy Chin all available still um uh, there's a lot of uh, valuable assets here. Only one interior offensive lineman picked up in the first round. Um, Cesar Ruiz, and we had talked about it. We we had kind of expected that there's a lot of good ones here, but not a lot of great ones, with Ruiz maybe being the exception. And he was right. the only one taken, so that worked out. Um, the, yeah, the, the tackle market, there's still some guys out there that can be starters. Um, yeah. with, with Niang, Josh Jones, who I had, he's the highest-rated player on my board remaining. Um, and then you've got Prince Tega Wanago from Auburn still available. Um, so there, there, you know, three guys here, Ezra Cleveland as another one that uh, is still on the board. So there are four probably suitable guys here, uh, that are still going to be up for grabs in rounds two and three tonight. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you see left at the wide receiver position. Oh, so that's the one thing that's crazy with, all those wide receivers taken last night, there's still some really good options depending on what you're looking for. Um, you got uh, LaVisca Chenault, if you want somebody who can make plays after the catch, be explosive. Denzel Mims, if you're looking for a big-bodied guy. Uh, K.J. Hamler, a little bit of a, a do-it-all, can take the top off a of defense. T. Higgins, uh, may have a limited route tree, but is very good at contested catches, uh, going up and getting the ball. Um Donovan Peoples-Jones still there. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Van Jefferson. Um, Brian Edwards. Michael Pittman Jr., who a lot of people have rated very highly out of the remaining uh, wide receivers. Yeah, a lot of people like Pittman Jr.'s ability to run the whole route tree, um, create separation for himself. But they have a very pro-style offense in USC. Um, so it, it kind of gives you that chance to see him do a little bit of everything you'll be expecting him to do in the NFL. So that's very good. Um a lot of interesting guys at wide receiver. And then do when do we see this run on tight ends happen? Um, 
there's not really a separation in the top three or four tight ends. So I imagine once the first one goes, the other two or three should come uh, shortly after that as well. Yeah. Um, let's talk, let's project a little bit. I'm, we're not going to go through and do a full mock draft or talk about maybe every pick, sure. but let's talk about a few things that, that maybe we could see coming over the, the course of the first few picks here. Uh, starting with the Bengals right out of the gate. Uh, they have needs at edge, interior line and linebacker. Um, do you see anybody that might be a, a great fit right out of the gate? Yeah, I think the, a couple, um, you know, looking edge for them would make a lot of sense to me because because you have guys probably with first-round grades that they had fall. So Epinesa, Gross Matos, they will be available, and, they, you know, you can take your pick, and you have all night to figure it out. So Yeah, um, the advantage of have, that 33rd pick. Right. You have that advantage to spend some time and really shake out what the rest of the board looks like. Yeah. Um, there's some option there. And then I also, I mean, Christian Fulton isn't a bad pick for them either. I think getting a, a corner could be a big help for that team. Yeah. Um, that, that would make a lot of sense. Um, as far as interior offensive linemen go, um, you've got Beatus, uh, who some people have way down their board. You've got Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, Cushenberry. Yeah. yeah. I think that, um, you know, he, he would make some sense there. And um, Jonah Jackson still there. And uh, Matt Hennessy from Temple is uh, is another really good player that's still going to be there. Um, what about Indianapolis? Um, needs at quarterback, wide receiver, um, interior line. Do they jump in, and grab the best receiver that they they have rated highest on the board? Is it maybe Denzel Mims or LaVisca Chenault right out of the gate for them? Yeah, it should be. The Colts are interesting because they seem to be in a win-now mode you know, the one-year signing of Rivers uh, would, would indicate to you that they're trying to go for it, right? That's not a long-term plan. So I imagine they, they get somebody for right now, and, you know, right now their most important need would be a wide receiver opposite of T.Y. Hilton to help out. Yeah. So I think a playmaking, somebody who could take a slant and go, would be their best type. Um, Hilton's able to take the top off of defense, make big plays down the field, uh, but not much uh, with the run after the catch. I like Lavisca Chenault in that in that scenario. Um, he's he's like a running back once the ball is in his hands, um, yeah. And he's got the frame to be really good. You know, it's the question is: Are people concerned about that core muscle injury that he had? Uh, that's making him fall down their list of wide receivers. Um, then, you know, we've got a couple others here. The Lions, uh, they have a lot of needs um, inside on their line. You know, they, they took Grant Del or, uh, yeah, um, Jeff Okuda at three. Nope. So, you know, they, they've kind of filled their need at corner. Um, they, they have some defensive needs, definitely. Interior, their entire defensive line yeah. and defensive front I is really concerning. So, And I think they're sitting pretty because of it. Um, they got – there's multiple defense impact defensive linemen still. We already talked about Matabuke and Blacklock, but no, Neville Gallimore still sitting there. So, you know, which of these three do you like best? They'll probably, I mean, guaranteed to at least have a crack at one of them. So uh, sort them out and, you know, make an impact on that defensive line right away. I like Blacklock there if he's still on the board for them. I think that he, he fits perfectly what they need to do. I'm really interested to see what the Patriots do. They have the fifth pick in the second round. I think they're uh, they're a little bit of a wild card right now. And I mean, I saw a couple people saying that maybe they're they're waiting to take Jalen Hurts here um, at quarterback, and that would be a very interesting move and dynamic to see added to New England for the off season. But 
you know, not, nothing really surprises you when it comes to the Patriots. So you kind of really got to sit back and see what they end up doing here. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got, uh, you take a look here, I, it, you and I are both fans of draft tech and I love the way that they, um, update their mock as you're moving along. Um, so, you know, they've updated their mock draft for round two already, um, with some interesting early selections, um, McKinney going to Cincinnati there at safety. Um, Denzel Mims is the, is the choice that they have for Indianapolis, even though I think Chenault might be a better option. Um, Epinesa to Detroit to, you know, create that edge that they need. They actually have the Patriots going with T Higgins at 37. So, um, that could be a nice selection for them. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I'm in Maybe. love. With, I'm not sure I'm in love with the idea. They have uh, the Dolphins taking Grant Delpit at 39. Um, I mean, how much can you really invest in your secondary? They've spent the money right. on Byron Jones. You've dra- drafted Noah Igbenogany. You've got a couple of safeties that you kind of like from last year returning. Um, you know, that that's putting a lot in your safety in your secondary, which, you know, in today's NFL, if you've got a shutdown secondary, your pass rush doesn't have to be that great. Yeah. Um, some of the other notable ones that I see here, um, Trevon Diggs is still on the board. Um, I think he's a nice fit here for a number of teams. I think he's probably the, the best corner that I, he's definitely the highest rated corner I still have on my board. Um, what about you? Who do you have? Yeah. You have him over Fulton? I think I do. I think I had – yeah, I'm pretty sure that on my big board, let me look, that I have Travon Diggs at 29. Yes, I do have him over Christian Fulton. Yeah, there's a couple of good corners left. I think you have Fulton, Diggs. Um, I love Jalen Johnson and his length uh, coming from Utah. You also have Bryce Hall from Virginia. Um, so there's definitely, you know, at least four guys that can contribute probably this year um, sitting there at corner. So, you know, same same kind of deal. These guys are all kind of in the same bow, and it's just what, what does each defensive coordinator covet? What does each defensive coordinator think fits their uh, style better? Yeah. I had a buddy that's in love with Curtis Weaver for the Bills at 54. Um, I think that, you know, as I was talking to him last night, I brought up the same points that you did. Uh, regarding Weaver's production happening perhaps against teams that uh, weren't exactly upper echelon. Sure. Um, you know, he had he had some big sack numbers against teams that didn't do well. Uh, and, you know, he, he did produce in the Florida State game, but their offensive line was putrid. So that was the, yeah. obviously the weakest point on that team. So right now they have the Bills mocked to select Jonathan Taylor. How would you feel about that? Um, as a Bills fan, I love it. I think, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor has a little bit of everything at the running back position. He's able to kind of run hard up the middle. Obviously, coming from Wisconsin, they're not shying away from, you know, the A and B gap runs there. But yeah. he also has the speed to pull away. His 40 time at the combine was really surprising. Um, so I love the combination of him and Singletary as well. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's it's your best pick at, at this point if you're the Bills. I think you may have other opportunities to improve your roster but you can't get away from you know adding explosiveness to your offense when your last year your offense was what was holding you back here's one that stands out to me the bears selecting yater gross matos at 50 is being projected by draft tech can you imagine having khalil Mack off one edge and gross matos off the other 
Yeah, Gross Matos has some learning to do, and it would probably be accelerated learning some moves from Khalil Mack. Yeah. Uh, definitely not the same same type of athlete by any stretch, uh, but he could definitely show him some tricks of the trade and, you know, maybe accelerate that learning process. Steelers at 49 with Michael Pittman Jr. He would be kind of, uh, you know, obviously another USC product in uh, Pittsburgh, but a different kind of receiver than Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, there's some interesting edge guys here that are going to go today. Uh, more than likely, like um, Julian Aquara, uh, Jonathan Greenyard, jo- Joshua Uche. Um, does, definitely some does Jabari Zuniga get into the third round, second or third round? I mean, I, I can see a team falling in love with him. Yeah, I mean, those are those last two especially are guys who maybe just haven't found their, you know, Jonathan Greenyard. I think is very. Uh, he's got the physical tools of what you would look for in defensive end. He's got the good bend. He's got the good body side. Um, but maybe just isn't as polished. Maybe doesn't have that go get it every time. Uh, yeah. So it would be interesting to see who takes that under there as a project. And Joshua Uche is so fast off the corner, uh, but that may be his only um, attribute. I don't know if he's big enough to get physical. Um, you know, I, I think he might struggle to hold the edge yeah. uh, against the run. So. Yeah, and you know, I can't wait to to see how this all shakes out tonight. Um, give me give me one name to to look out for that might be off people's radars here that that you could see going early tonight. Um, I think that mm, I would say maybe Raquan Davis. Yeah, I think we've talked about him a couple times. I, his size and speed and physical trait, like that package doesn't come around a lot. And I know at Alabama he underwhelmed, but I think somebody's going to fall in love with that raw piece of clay and say, yeah, I can make this a superstar. I think somebody was going to take him pretty early here. Um, and that's what you're looking That's what you're looking at when you get him. Is it's somebody who doesn't have all the tools yet, uh, but has the just physical gifts that you can't, you know, get everywhere. So, yeah. Um, you know, for me, it's a couple of guards that that probably haven't people haven't seen a lot of in Natani Mutai and um, Solomon Kindley. I think both of those guys are big maulers that could be teams could be excited to get uh, Damian yeah. Lewis. So I think that interior line thing is going to be fun to watch. But the name that Robert I'm, Hunt too. Oh yeah, absolutely. The name that I'm really interested to watch and, and see where he goes is Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern Illinois. Uh, not a name that's on everyone's radar, but an athletic freak that is going to have the ability to play some linebacker. He's kind of, I don't want to say he's like Isaiah Simmons, but he, he is a little bit. And, um, different level of competition certainly and um i think that he could be used in a similar fashion at the next level yeah i think there's like three or four of these positionless safeties in here simmons is more uh stout so he gets a little bit um a little more love because he's able to play the more of those linebacker positions yeah and and he's done it against everyone at the highest level so right jeremy chin um kyle duggar and maybe tanner muse as well all fit this where they don't really fit anywhere perfectly, but because they can do a little bit of everything, it makes them valuable at this next level. When you're looking at defensive coordinators trying to game plan for, and I think they showed it great with, um, with Simmons, you know, where, where he ended up going, he's able to, you take each team's strength and he's able to, to take a little bit of that away just by his, you know, his skill set already. Yeah. Um, let's so- see here. So last little game here, 
Um, who is your first tight end off the board, and where does he go? I think it's going to be – I still think it's going to be Cole Komet. Um, but I don't know if he does – I don't know if he goes until end of second, late late second, early third. So I will say – take a look. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe – I think Maybe I know what Seahawk you're going to come at, up with. Oh no! Maybe the Seahawks at 59. I like or, six, or 64. They have the two picks there, so they might be able to grab one. I like Cole Komet going to Green Bay at 62. I, I so that was my original thought because I, I for some reason I thought the Packers had two picks in the second round. And I thought okay they can grab a wide receiver and then double back and get Komet, but without I, I think they have to go wide receiver at 62. I mean, I guess Komet still helps the offense, but yeah, they've got to get some weapons either way. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Komet to them because I think he's their kind of guy. Um, you know, blue-collar kind of guy, comes into Green Bay. He'll be beloved by the fans there. His ability to jump up and, and get, you know, win those one-on-one battles, uh, I, I think will make him a favorite there uh, so oh. long as, as Aaron Rodgers isn't uh, beside himself completely. Um, the, yeah. pro- the problem with the Packers is they have no third-round pick. Uh, right. So they're gonna need to they're gonna need to jump up if they want to. I mean, at some point they have to address the receiver position. You're right, and I, I you know I'm just trying to see, you know where that's feasible for them, and yeah. you know I don't see. I'm trying to look here at, you know, I, it the doesn't look like they have a fourth round pick either. Are they without a third or a fourth? I mean, they did give up a ton for Khalil Mack, so they're probably still paying for him. The Packers. Yeah, or no, yeah, no, never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, one point I was trying to make with Isaiah Simmons, you know, he goes to the Cardinals. <clears throat> when you play in your division, now he's going to be able to spy for you when you're playing the Seahawks. He's going to be able yeah. to spy on Russell Wilson. When you're playing the 49ers, he's going to be able to man up on Kittle. He's athletic enough to stay with him. Um, yes. And then when you're playing the Rams, he, he can kind of be all over the place, dropping the coverage and blitz. And, I mean, just the, that – one person being able to do all of those things for you just frees up the rest of your defense to do what they do best. I like what they're building out there. You know, yeah, they have some dynamic players on that team, and sure Tyler Murray and Hopkins, obviously. It's imagine Murray taking the next step and being on you know Russell Wilson's level, and now having Hopkins and Fitzgerald and you know Kenyon Drake seems to fit what they do really well. Um, we've talked about liking Chase Edmonds. Now you've added Simmons to that defense. I think they continue to try to load up that defense now because their offense is dirty right now. Yeah, they also have no second-round pick, so they'll have to sit on it a little bit and wait. But it'll be interesting to see what they do um, come the third round when they get back up there. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think they need to either bolster that old line to protect Murray or, or start adding more weapons to that defense. Yeah, I think that it's a – it's a fun team to watch. This has got uh, t- selecting Robert Hunt at 72, which uh, could be a really nice nice landing spot for him uh, yeah. to, to help protect and, and keep people off of, off of Kyler Murray there in Arizona. Uh, last thing. Uh, I said last thing before, but last thing. Who is the biggest winner for you in night one of the draft? Night one? Yeah. I would say um, 
kind of the Niners. I mean, yeah. them were the – so I like what the Raiders did going wide receiver corner. I know in ours we had them doing corner wide receiver, but you knew they had to add both. So the Raiders, I think, did well. I'm not exactly sure about their selections at each spot, but I like their their concept. And then Man. the Niners with Kinlaw. I think that's such a – Kinlaw and Ayuk, yeah. And then Brandon Ayuk to give them that little bit of sizzle. Man, I saw some, some uh, Raiders fans just on tilt about the selections from you know they you know and they're they're blaming John Gruden for it whatever maybe it's maybe it's Gruden maybe it's Mayock I don't know but um Henry Ruggs is dynamic and and I don't think that people quite understand just how dynamic he is and yeah no uh, I mean Ruggs gets a bad rap of being a fast wide receiver he he's just a good wide receiver that happens to be fast I think yeah. it's you know, sometimes those guys get those labels as a fast wide receiver and they just think that that's all they can do is run fast and get down the field. But also Raiders fans have been burned by this type of draft before, you know? Yeah. So, well, I and guess that's a little bit of sense. the negativity around Damon Arnett, I think people just really don't understand how good he was. Um, yeah. That graphic you shared last night amongst our buddies was, uh, you know, very telling. It was... Uh, Arnett had what was it the lowest? I can't remember exactly how it was how it was framed. Um, do you remember what it said off off the top of your head? Uh, let me see if I got it. I think uh, it was something about like the lowest completion percentage against uh, out of anybody. It was a PFF uh, tweet, Pro Football Focus. Lowest lowest quarterback rating against of any college player entering the draft. Yeah, and you got to remember that no one was throwing at Okuda, and Arnett still generated the lowest yep. passer rating against him of any corner in college football. You got you guys got to you got to look at this stuff a little more detailed. Just because you don't know the name doesn't mean he's not a really good player at nineteen for the Raiders. And I think I that. Mean, you know, the, the big thing is people are, you know, why did you not select Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb there? You know, wh- how could you how could you make that pick? And honestly, it's it, it was a with the top three receivers, it was pick your flavor. What suits your best your offense best? What fits your scheme best? Right. And what skill sets do you covet most? So I think that it's. It, it's a mistake to just judge that as a, as a bad draft for them. Um, you know, I think that it's not as bad as what people think. And, um, you know, it, it, when, it, when we talk about big winners on the night, I think that the Panthers getting Derek Brown is a big deal. I think that, uh, you know, I really love the Cardinals getting Isaiah Simmons. I think that was, that was the, the get of the draft for me because he was my highest rated player in this draft. Um, regardless of position, and he's yeah. he fell to them at eight. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the uh, Chargers didn't do too bad for themselves either. They're able to stay put, and they got Herbert, and then they're able to get Kenneth Murray at, at twenty three. So they're able to help out both sides of the ball, and you know some some explosive uh, linebacking should help them with that that defensive line already being as good as it is with Melvin Ingram and Bosa. So. I think that that's a good move for them to kind of bolster on, a little bit on both sides, you know, bring that competition in. They, you have Tyrod Taylor there. If Herbert can beat him out, great. If not, that's fine. And um, let him grow for a year. The last thing that I wanted to talk about with um, as far as teams that, that really did well, 
and you know I kind of forgot about this one. I, I love the Jacksonville Jaguars first round. Yeah. CJ Henderson at nine, the the clear cut second best corner, and then the drop off happens at corner. So I mean CJ Henderson and Jeff Okuda separate themselves greatly from the rest of that cornerback pack. And uh, to land him at nine and then have Chase on from LSU fall to them, they've taken away the leverage from Ngakwe if he ever had any. Um, but, you know, now you've gotten younger and cheaper on defense, and I think you've added somebody who's very explosive and, and very uh, – he, he's going to be good at the next level in Chase on. Yeah, and the Vikings did sneaky good too. Um, pick drafting later, but they got Justin Jefferson to help uh, replace Diggs, and they got Jeff Gladney at 31 – um, cornerback out of TCU. A lot of people had Gladney as their number three corner um, behind the. Um, yeah, behind the top two. Yeah. Behind the top two and uh, behind Henderson and Akuda. So, I, you know, if that's what they had their board, they got to be pretty satisfied with getting, you know, the deep threat wide receiver and, and Gladney there um, to, to kind of keep that, that train rolling because they definitely needed a corner. They definitely needed a wide out. So, yeah. Uh, they're able to do both of those. And uh, on behalf of Hammered Sports, I'm proud to say I took down a draft pool last night. Um, you know, one through 32, they have actually, they had 25 questions ranging from: Will there be more Auburn? Will there be more Auburn players selected? More TCU players, or the same amount? Um, and what that's what ended up being the winner for me by one point, because at the end of the draft at 31. At the end of the draft at 31, we got um, Jeff Gladney going to Minnesota. So that was that was the clincher for me, um, and it was it was I was ecstatic about it. And and it's a big you know any time that we show that all that work that we've put in um, pays off in our knowledge and understanding. We've spent months working on this now, and um, I feel like it's paid off in our understanding of what's going on in this draft. So. You know, let's wrap it up, Tom. Um, yeah. We'll have a podcast early this week uh, to recap the entire seven-round draft, uh, talk about any other big moves that happen following, you know, the, the Gronkowski, Gronkowski move to Tampa Bay and um, all of the free agent signings that we're going to see out there. So um, this is a fun week for us, and we're I think we're inching a little bit closer to some live sports, Tom. I just got an alert saying that um, UFC has scheduled a couple events, so yeah, we'll be you know looking like the beginning uh, middle of May they'll be starting to do live events. Golf is talking about doing the first couple at the end of May with no crowds, and yeah, definitely we're we're getting closer. Yeah, finally. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, have fun and be safe tonight. Enjoy the second and third round. I know I will. Absolutely. Have a good one. See ya.